0: This podcast is brought to you by SIRIN, the Diamond Industry Reimagined. Powered by SIRIN, digital reports help retailers worldwide craft engaging, verifiable diamond stories and promote them in store with exciting, interactive technology.
1: everyone. Welcome to the Rappaport Diamond Podcast. I'm the Editor-in-Chief at Rappaport, Sonia Esther and this is the fourth installment in our series on technology. In this episode, we're going to explore how technology is transforming the shopping experience and empowering retailers to bring many added value and branded services to their customers. I'm joined today by three retail experts who have an unparalleled first-hand experience of how innovation Innovation is essential to engage customers, build loyalty, and increase sales. After our panel discussion, we'll share a case study on Hong Kong retailer Char Tai Fook. Rappaport News reporter Leah Merovich will interview Jade Lee, who is the General Manager, Analytics and Technology Application at Cha Tai Fook. But before this, I would like to welcome our guests today. Ladies first, with L Hill, the CEO of industry consulting firm, and co launch and growth experts that offers various international clients um, um, guidance at all stages of their business business strategy and she has a special expertise in omnichannel marketing Elle, it's a pleasure to have you with us
2: Thank you so much for inviting me, Sonia. I'm very happy to be here today.
1: We're happy to have you here as well. Next is Andy Brabeck, Director of Marketing and E-Commerce at Borshawms, a Berkshire Hathaway-owned business that celebrated this 150-year anniversary last year. Andy has brought to- um, together the marketing and e-commerce team to... Um, under the same umbrella to better serve the jurors' online clientele. So I'm sure he has a wealth of stories and uh, insights to share with us today. Hi, Andy.
3: Hi, Sonia. Thank you so much for having me. It's, uh, It's a pleasure to be here.
1: I'm looking forward to our conversation. And last but certainly not least is Paul Schneider, the owner of Twist, that has stalled in Portland, Oregon, and Seattle, washington state uh, twist received the jurors of america gem award for retail innovation last year for both brick and mortar and e-commerce paul was interviewed by rapper magazine last year and he said being innovative is like breathing to us so i'm really happy to have paul with us on the technology podcast hi paul
4: hello thank you
1: so i'll start with with Elle first to, um, to have uh, a bit of an overview before we go into the, the stories of, of Paul and, and Twist. Elle, um, it seems like from um, your, your Moneter International Survey revealed that retailers' digital strategies were accelerated by up to two years during the, the pandemic that we've experienced. And nearly three quarters of retail professionals expect digital growth to be permanent. So I'm sure you're welcoming this, having been an early. A uh, digital uh, advocate. But my question is for, for retailers, especially in the jewelry industry, how, do we, how are we going to unify the physical experience and the digital one now that digital has been kind of embraced and accepted
2: Mm -hmm. I think there are a lot of challenges from an operational point of view for retailers to do this integration. I think we all watched with a a little bit of a awe as Kendra Scott, you know, in about five weeks integrated their store by store by store inventory into their online uh, website inventory. Um, And I'm sure there were a lot of bumps and hiccups behind the scenes there, but that's a Herculean effort to do in in five weeks. And part of the uh, challenges that I'm referring to are are really on the back end. Um, The the retailers understand that they can talk to their consumers online. Um, Many, many, many of them understand now that they can also sell to them online, but that they can also encourage them from online to go into stores and vice versa. So just scratching the surface of how to speak to the end consumer um, is something that people understand more readily than how do we make our systems and operations talk to one another so that when something's sold in the store, the inventory number goes down behind the scenes. I think... that's one of the most challenging parts of this, because we can translate best practices and great behaviors in store, which I always say, that's the hard part. Now you have to take a look at how do you mirror that human behavior in your digital world. You actually have many more levers to pull, and it's really quite exciting. The dry and difficult part is making that you're sure that, you're up, that your ERP system, your inventory management system, and your POS systems are all working together in unison. So that you can operate like one omni-channel
1: business. So that's that's very interesting because it seems like you need quite a heavy technology investment and uh, and financial investment. Do you think that can be off-putting for for some jewelry um, retailers? That you know, it's quite a daunting task to have this dialogue between. Um, the two, the two sides? I don't think, I, I
2: think it is daunting to uh, retailers that haven't done it in the past, but it's not brain surgery, right? So just navigating through what systems you have, where you're standing today and beginning from there. So we don't jump from being just a store without even, say, uh, you know, a, an e-commerce transactable website to all of a sudden having transactions online, in-store, all talking to one another, uh, one another in communicating. That's why we call it a digital transformation, right? Because you don't, just snap your fingers and all of a sudden everything happens you make the the needs assessments and the gap assessments in where you want to be ultimately based on what your consumer has told you that you've listened to that they want to interact with you and then you assess the needs you have and the gaps you have between here and there and create a milestone a pro a, a milestone map of how you're going to get from here to there bit by bit budget by budget
1: Mm, that's very much a data-driven uh, strategy to really <laughs> listen to the data.
2: <laughs> mm, mm, yeah, yeah.
1: That actually, I, I would like to have um, Andy's view on that because when when COVID nineteen hit, all of you know all of the industry last spring, um, with the stores having to to shop to close their sh- the their floor, how. How did you keep the dialogue going with uh, with How did technology help you to to keep these consumers um, invested and interested?
3: Yeah, I, just, I would, first. I would start off by you know echoing um, you know, what Elle mentioned um, in talking about and making your your technology internally you speak to each other. Whether it's your ERP, your point of sale system, um, your inventory management, uh, we had actually going full omni-channel had been on our roadmap a few years ago so we you know as a a retailer felt um, you know, we were as prepared as we could possibly be um, going, into, going into 2020, um, not, obviously not knowing about um, the COVID-19 coming in, but uh, we had focused the last few years on, on upgrading our ERP and the way our inventory uh, management worked, um, our, our point of sale, um, and, 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 on it and tying in everything that happens online, whether something sells, um, same thing within the store. So we're, we're all sharing that, that information. Um, as we went into the, into the year, um, as you mentioned earlier, um, it was our 150th year in business. So there were so many pot and there were so many positive, ind- um, indicators out there. We just came off of a, um, you know, a senior leadership strategy retreat, you know, really discussing all those, those omni, omni channel characteristics that, uh, we had put in place over the years and what the next, you know, that next phase would, is going to look like for us, which I believe we're gonna, we'll talk on later with the future of omni. Um, but we quickly you know pivoted to you know connecting with our customers um, you know through live chat um, whether on on the site or or through email um, we focused a lot of communication on on, on how we were going to keep our our store safe um, for for those that uh, we're still making in person shopping a priority, um, but we also um, you know welcomed in some new customers or in store customers that were now shopping online for the first time, as well as uh, as well as prospective customers that were being introduced to our our brand um, for the first time. Um, and we primarily did that through, um, you know, our email channels to start. Um, but throughout the year, we had um, brought forth um, some new, some new communication channels. Um, whether that's uh, like uh, SMS, that w- that was uh, very positive um, for us um, throughout the year. Um, we, you know, our business has been a has had. It really, well, a really far reach, um, uh, being part of Berkshire Hathaway. Um, you know, we, we ship, um, and do business with, uh, with all, with every state, um, as well as have an inter- international reach. So that, uh, with one flagship store here at Omaha, Nebraska, um, you know, that's, uh, we do a lot of business over the phone already, um, through text message, through, uh, um, through email. So, um from, from our perspective, we felt like we were as prepared as we could possibly be um, for, for March 2020. Um, and, uh, we, you know, we just used those tools um, a bit more than maybe we had in the past.
1: That's very interesting. And I I guess, that Paul, what was your experience? Because um, your website was always a precursor in in showcasing uh, your designers. You were doing videos before a lot of other people were doing videos. How did you also, um, and how did you change your strategy to to adapt to COVID last year?
4: Um, It's very interesting for me to listen to everybody here. Our Um, business the way it started the way it's set up and the way it's run is completely different it's very organic we started very small as um, my wife and I as artists ourselves and we grew what we did representing our own work and representing other artists work in jewelry came later and we've just grown this business very organically we have two stores and the website and the website we started almost 10 years ago. And at that time, um, there's virtually no e-commerce and we just used it as a, um, we were interested in the technology and we are interested in this sort of new way of talking, but we really didn't have any, um, idea that it would be a way of uh, selling. And we, um, We've changed platforms several times right now we're um, on Shopify, but we've been selling online for years and it's always been integrated, it's increased lately, but it's always been integrated into our store. And um, we have inventory specifically for our website and inventory for the stores as well. And there's some transfer, but it's a very small business and we don't have a lot structure to it in terms of how a division of labor people really help on um, different categories. Having said that, Our website we run as a separate business almost, as a separate P&L and a separate staff. It's in the same building, but there's five full-time people working there. We have um, people that write copy, we have customer service, we have two photographers, we have um, the editing is is done off-site, but right now we have over 15,000 pieces on our website. Um, We have, we're very active in, in online marketing. We send out our email list is um, almost 50,000 people that we send out an email to three times a week. We have over 60,000 followers on Instagram that we, we um, post on uh, every day. And when COVID hit, we did see a shift, in a radical shift in business. Our stores were closed for two months. And after they reopened, um, the traffic was way down. But that business completely shifted to our website more. And we ended 2020 as our um, best year in our long history of being in business. But The website went from the third largest seller of the three to the highest seller of the three. And another thing about technology in our business is what we didn't realize until much later is how important our website would become to our retail store. Um, We find local customers use our website as another way of um, shopping in store and percentage of customers that walk into the store with their phones out showing us what they want to see or calling ahead or texting ahead with URLs from our website and said, I'll be in half an hour, could you please pull these six things for me to look at? We weren't expecting that. Um, So all in all, things have gone well and the technology has really grown. as part of our business,
1: that's that's so interesting. The way that you, how you describe that, actually, the local customers are, are pre-shopping uh, online. It's not just attracting people from outside of you of your catchment area communities. Actually. Um, it's actually doing the research work and then coming to to your stores is very interesting. And L, do you think that's actually how it's going to go? Is it is it the store of the future? I think this
2: is fabulous, and I, and I love to. You know, I'm a big fan of Twist, Paul, and and you guys do such an excellent job over there. Um, and I see what you're saying organically happened is what um, people are catching up with behind you, and offering on their websites personal shopping concierge and clicking and collect and video personal shopping calls like that is absolutely the shop of the future the the um the customization and the personalization that people expect so without paul you even putting on your website you can give us a short list and we'll have them picked and ready for you you didn't even promote that your customers just said this is what i want right and you listened
4: yeah, it's really interesting with a bridal because um, our average, the age of our average consumer has gone way down because um, we've grown our bridal, but the mm-hmm. younger consumer is so adapted to shopping online that mm-hmm. you see a young couple come in and now we pretty much know for certain they pre-shopped our store. And they've never been in it before. They didn't even know where it was. But they'll come in and we'll say, so what did you see online that you want to see? And they'll tell us exactly.
2: Exactly, exactly. And and I imagine that um you may follow down this road right because you we we all deserve a right to live because we really listen to our end consumer and the end consumer is saying to us a retail shopping for me has no walls no ceilings no screens it's wherever i am it's on my bath holding my mobile phone if i want you know in my bath <laughs> so they're saying this is how i want to shop so maybe there will be even a page where you can put everything that you want waiting for you, and pick a time on, the, on, your, on your website, on your phone, just kind of like dialing up an Uber. Uh, you know, this may evolve to be the case on the Twist website because you're listening to the way they want to interact.
4: We already do that. Ah. We, we have a wish list, mm-hmm. and people, it's they have to allow us permission to see their wish list, but there's there's a switch for that. Mm-hmm. And they'll tell us, would you please look at my wish list and tell me what you think or, you know, help me with it.
2: Yeah, yeah. And that's great content for you to push out, too, on your email newsletter or on your Instagram saying, you know, share your wish list for your personal shopping selections to be ready when you get come to the store, you know, once it's back open again. So there's lots of opportunities to then use those added value services that you're incorporating because you're listening, because you're a good retailer, listening to your consumer, and then letting other people who maybe didn't think of it yet know that you do it. You know, and so you get this round robin beneficial, um, you know, circular beneficiality towards online and offline. Yeah. That's cool. <laughs>
1: I think I think you have a fan poll, <laughs> 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 but that's that's really really interesting this uh, this approach. And I think what's really interesting also is what you said. They attract some new demographics, younger people, mm-hmm. and uh, and and a shift to to bridal. And is this also something that when you when you embrace the digital first by um, by by necessity last year? Did you see that Bourjois were able to reach a new a new demographic, a new audience, and uh, did you see a shift in what was selling best?
3: No, we we didn't necessarily see a shift in what was selling best. Um, There, you know, items and categories that were already selling really well, those just accelerated even more. Um, You know, as... as Paul, had, Paul was mentioning, you know, the way that they're, they're, you're meeting your customers. Some of that, from our perspective, was being just being proactive too. We understand that our customers want to shop differently. You, you mentioned the, uh, you know, the, the millennial millennial audience. You've got a lot of, you know, we're seeing our, you know, our. Uh, our mobile traffic skyrocket, um, you know, 2020 was a big year for, um, for, for, growth online, but from, from, from where I'm sitting too, we, we've been seeing that for the last five years. Um, you know, 2020 just you took it to another level. Um, but you know, the big part of that is, yeah, these omni, omni, um, omnichannel selling tactics um, You in know, our sales team is is uh, has the ability to curate i think paul calls them wish lists we call them showrooms where we can um hand off um we know when we have we, we know our customers when they're having a special moment whether it's a birthday or an anniversary or something big coming up um our sales team is uh, is armed to develop these these curated um these curated showrooms to share um, I guess that are private, um, digital focused, um, to develop uh, products that they think may be best um, for this customer. Um, it allows the customer to interact back and forth with with our sales team as well. Um, so that's something that we've saw, we saw a lot of success with um, too. But to, to to go back as well as that acceleration over in in this year, when I mean, we saw ten years worth of acceleration in just a few months, and that this huge shift, right? When I mean, we had to. We never had curbside pickup. Um, we we you know had to our store was closed for forty five plus days, um, so we had to generate a new way to do you know curbside pickup. Um, we also listened to our customers. Is you know when it comes to delivery, we we went free delivery um, with no minimums, whether what was local or we were we were sending things uh, sending items to 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 the coast. Um, but uh, I guess you know as far as you know as far as um, how we were trying to meet our customers and different channels um, you know, we, you know, we, we were trying to be proactive too um, cause we, we do understand uh, um, the customers are doing a lot of pre-shopping um, you know, our, you know, our sale our excuse me, our visitor visit our traffic, um, you know, went up, um, you know, nearly a hundred percent traffic wise um, for, for, for the year. And, and we know that um, over the past several years that uh, you know, sp- that uh, traffic in store has, you know, has, hasn't necessarily went up. If, if anything it stayed, stayed flat or, or went or decreased. So, um, you know, most of that pre-shopping and shopping is is, is being done through through a, a digital means. Um, so we we took extra emphasis on our our chat service, our our, our, our curated showrooms, um, and uh, and to try to to try to meet the customer where they wanted to be met.
4: Andy, I have a question for you. Yeah, are, are you finding that your suppliers are selling directly to the retail customer now? Mm. That you're actually competing for retail sales. Your own suppliers?
3: Uh, I, I, I can't say for certain. I, if it is, it's not happening as as much as I I, I guess. It hasn't something. It hasn't been something that crossed my desk, I should say. Um, maybe it's happening. I just it's not uh, something that I'm I'm well aware of at this point. Are you seeing that?
4: Yeah, we we're seeing it. It's still in the um, rough and rowdy days of it. But um, every designer now has a website, and yeah. it's a really good thing because people want to do research yep. you know, before they buy. But. Um, it is interesting that in some situations we are actually competing with our supplier for the same <laughs> sale.
3: Yeah. It, it
4: gets awkward
3: well i guess i would say that we yes we understand that that had, is and has been happening but i guess i should say that i haven't noticed any new um any any any, any i guess anything new outside of the ones that were had already been in place um, pre COVID.
4: I mean, we're dealing with a lot more small, much smaller, um, uh, businesses, you know, a lot Mm of, you know, individual designers and small companies. And, um, there's a real education going on now about what are the responsibilities, the ramifications of selling directly to consumers. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it, it's something that I deal with a lot, and it, it hasn't necessarily been bad at all. I mean, there's parts of it that have been, but parts of it that have actually been very positive, and we're working with some designers directly through our website, but um, at other times, we actually um, have had to break off relationships with designers because it ended up we were just becoming a marketing tool for their website, Yeah. especially yep. when they're discounting and uh, things that we don't do. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. that's actually one of the questions i wanted to to bring up with you paul so i'm happy you you, you right. anticipated it because i think that's that's a very interesting point that not that everybody has moved um to digital or everybody is, is aiming to how uh, stores like yourself like twist that have um multi uh, designer showcase you know are actually competing with the, the designers that didn't have um, a website a few years ago that didn't have a presentation of their their work through beautifully curated videos or instagram so i'm, I'm happy you you brought it up i think that's uh, how how do you see um, how can you see an harmony being reached in a, in a, in the next year or now that digital has been such a big part of, uh, of our industry
4: um I think what I think design i mean a lot of people thought when the website first exploded uh, for e commerce a lot of people thought it was like a money machine that you just turned it on and the money started coming in and included um like designers working on their own, thinking that um, they no longer needed retail. And I think they're coming to the point now where everybody does have their website and it's getting a little clear that um, customers don't necessarily want to go direct. They really like the idea of um, a multi, uh, mm. of a store. You know, they just feel a little safer with a purchase in case there's a problem mm-hmm. or, Um, so it's getting better right now and also I've had to make that call with designers like if you know when we we get a customer that comes into our store we educate them about a designer and their work and then they come back a month later and say thank you so very much for taking the time I went straight to the designer and bought the piece um I'll have a phone call with them. It's like this isn't going to work. Mm. Um so I I think it's still in transition in other words. I I think it's still being worked out and it's actually this year I think is better than it's been in, been in the past. But it's like I said it's like the wild wild west anything goes. Mm. But relationships, I mean the the truth of the matter is in our field there are there's a lot more great product. There's a lot more great jewelry than there are great stores. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, and marketing is tough and there is so much out there that, um, I hopefully that the designers are working with stores um, appreciate that.
0: And
1: uh, you, you brought in um, the issue of trust, the trust that, that consumers have with with retailers that, mm-hmm. that carry more than one brand and I have an established name, um, which I think, you know, as we know, trust is such an important word and uh, not just a word, but um, uh Essential in our industry, Uh, Andy. How do you how do you see also like how do you create trust with people who have no idea why you know who have never been to your store, never met your sales uh, assistant in in a flesh, you know, and suddenly they're actually going and jewelry is an expensive purchase. So how do we build trust with our customers when we only they only have the online experience and the online approach to
3: start? Yeah, trust is really difficult. Um, You know, it's it's helpful that we can align our name with a with, with Berkshire Hathaway, that, that goes a long way with, 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 with our customers and prospective customers from, but, but from, you know, just a, if you were to land on our homepage, we'll, one thing that we try to focus on is, you know, making you feel comfortable. Um, we, you know, we're placing our, we have a, a large amount of both product and, and merchant reviews, um, that we we showcase not only on our homepage, but, uh, throughout, throughout the site on, 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 product pages. And then we also, um, continue that on in, in different channels, um, whether it's email or, or, or digital marketing, trying to, trying to one, you know, make us look like we, um, like we're, you know, we're, we're, um, we have a really good standing with the customers that we already have done business with trying to create trust that way. Um, but then honestly down the road too. So you're, if you do, if you are in the process of making a purchase, we're trying to make it really easy for you, um, along the way to, to, to feel that trust, um, whether that's through a, a live chat tool, um, or a, a friendly phone call, um, that could also you know make its way through a texting conversation with one of our um associates or or um an email back and forth um and then having that purchase met We um you have that we have a post-purchase process as well, which I think is just as important, if not more important, um, to follow up, um, after a purchase, make sure that the purchase met, um, the customer's need or needs and, uh, and that, uh, you know, that they felt really good about their purchase and to know that we stand behind our product. One of the biggest things we can offer from a trust perspective is a, is a, you know, that, that, uh, Um, return policy and, um, we have a 90 day return policy on, on our, uh, our jewelry, um, which, you know, that to me, I think it helps tell the story to the customer that we stand behind our product. Um, so those, those are some of the the main ways that we're, um, trying to build trust with our customers. Mm.
2: I'd love to comment on that too, Sonia, if I may.
1: You were, I was just going to ask you, (laughs) (laughs) you prompted me. (laughs) I was actually going to ask you about about this trust and online because I know that you work not just with retailers, but with wholesalers, with designers. Mm -hmm. So how do we Mm -hmm. create um, an environment in which the Mm -hmm. consumer feels he can actually part with his hard-earned money?
2: Right. I I mean, I love this question and thank you for... you know allowing me to speak to it because i think this is one of the fallacies way back when people said no one's going to buy jewelry you know online because it's just such an important purchase and they have to touch it and all this sort of stuff um, but what we always go back to is saying how do you build trust in person you already know how to do it right the if you're running a retail store you you know how to do it in person so now let's take a look at the ways the tools that we have online that that replicate that and that also perhaps exponentially um, magnify that, right? So one of the first things we tell people is show, don't tell. Um, you know, show them how you're thinking about what they are looking for and what they need. And always think from the shoes of the people that you're selling to, right? So you want to show them and not tell them how you're trustworthy. And testimonials go a long way towards that. Um, and these don't have to be techie, smarmy, you know, they can be elegantly presented and shared. They can be shared on social, they can be shared in newsletters, they can can be testimonials where you're really ballyhooing the, the testimonial giver even more so than you are sharing the good report about your store. Um, but the biggest thing is that every single digital touch point where your consumer who's never touched your store and their only interaction with you are those digital touch points, every single one has to be walking to the beat of the same drummer. So we need to make sure that if you Open up an Instagram account that you are as consistent in your presentation there as you are with your display cases in your actual physical store. And that all three things and your newsletter and any other digital touch points, social media, um, partnerships that you do, if you are consistent over time and authentic, revealing who you are, then people can get to know you. And that consistency is what tells them they can trust you. So, doing the same. Same thing again and again and again, like having your newsletters go out Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or maybe you're only once a month, or twice a month, or once a week. Whatever it is, you want to be consistent. You want to say what you're going to do and then do what you said you were going to do. And that's what establishes trust. And I think there are a lot of tools to get social proof and um, testimonials that can validate that trust that they're starting to sense from your consistency on all you, across all of your digital touch points.
1: Fabulous. I think a lot of people will, will appreciate this this insight. I'll well, thank you. I think that's that's such an important point you made here. Mm, thanks.
4: The only thing I would add to that, I completely agree with you and we work on that constantly is you really need a personal voice yes. in that. Consistency and you need to find your voice and then reinforce it. So it's not just another flat, soulless technological feed, but it's like there's a humanness to it. And I think you know, technology has got that part now. And people mm-hmm. want want to know who you are and what you believe in, even if they don't necessarily like it or agree with it. They want us they want to see a point of view.
1: Yes. I love the humanness of the experience. Paul, mm. talking about the, the humanist, that the um, you, you said digital was such was so important for in twenty twenty, but do you also feel like you had to to introduce new um, new experiences and services installed to, to match the experience that people have when they when they go on your website?
4: Well, we've introduced um, touchscreen. We always had iPads on the floor of the store and um, would use the website. The salespeople will have an iPad and go to the website with many customers, sometimes looking for pieces that were in other stores, sometimes looking at the designer videos we did, and even sometimes um, referencing designers' own websites. And um, now we've got touchscreen TVs where we've got um, a large, all that's on it is our website and we can lead a customer there to do more um, digging on what they might be interested in or more education about what we're doing. So, yeah, I, I would think that that that. Is exactly what we're doing.
1: Fantastic, Andy. What, what about Borshams? Have, have certain technology tools assist you offering new use products and services that not just in a digital sphere, but also in a in a brick and mortar experience?
3: Yeah, I would echo. Um, I would echo what Paul said. You know, we 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 also have the we have this iPad experience um, for customers. Um, you know. Many of the, the inquiries we're, we're getting in store, you know, is in that bridal and engagements category where we have an engagement builder, um, a ring builder on, on our website um, for, for customers to interact with. It's our most um, interactive piece of um, interactive piece of content on, on Borsheims.com. Um, so we see a lot of people coming into the store Um with, with that printed off or, or with that on their phone. And then they continue that experience, um, in the store when they're picking out a diamond, um, and uh, setting and, um, making that all, um, come to life. Um, so, yeah, when we do that all through uh, through through our iPads, um, I, that's very interesting, Paul, that you've got, you know, large screens um, dedicated um, to the website. I, I think that would that's a really interesting concept to to, to see how that would work in, in a store like Borsheim's.
4: I would think it might. I mean, we were really nervous about it to begin with and thought it might look just too commercial for who we are. Uh-huh. But um, we did it in a nice way. And it it's it we've we've not sensed any negative reactions. I think people are just used to screens being around and Mm -hmm. uh, source of information, but I did go to your website and see your ring builder. And I think it's fantastic.
3: Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. It's like I said, it's been a, uh, it's been a focal point for, for our, I guess, that omni-channel um experience and you know there's a way after you build it out you can print it off or or save it to a wish list and so that's that's been a a common theme for for the past couple years where customers come in with something just print it off and say and i want this can you help me can you help me build this um so being able to carry that in to the to the store and have somebody be able to build something on um on an ipad or just or to show you on a screen um has has been really
4: Really beneficial. I I just think the confidence that it builds in the customer—you know—that they they're educated before they even get to the store, so they're not worried, they're not as fearful that this is going to be—you know—like the experience might be daunting, or you know, they might not be uh, um, knowledgeable enough to be a a qualified consumer. That it's just you just tore down another barrier,
3: Mm. right? And you and you mentioned education, right? And um, it's something we've spent a lot of time over the past year, year and a half on. It. On continuing to educate our, our customer and, and prospective customers and developing, um, you know, listening to that customer voice and, um, and, and developing uh, pieces of content in our own branded voice that uh, we we know that our, our customers and prospective customers are wondering about or asking questions about, uh, you know, to continue to remain a, a thought leader in, in the space. Um, so that, that's another way that we found this year, that's something we could we spent extra time on, um, you know, as, as store traffic.
4: Also, I think you've done this really good is all all the history that you've put on your website of the company, which is such a, you know, it's such a solid anchor to a business. And you just, you know, you find pictures of the store and pictures of the ads. Advertising goes back 150 years and talk about a confidence booster. I mean, you know, you just you're entering into, you know, something that's grand and been around for generations. I mean, when you're talking about a big purchase, especially maybe the first time you've done a big purchase like this in your life, I think you feel really good.
3: Yeah, that that and that we we know that that heritage is is a is a part of that equation. And we um, we're very proud of (laughs) being in business for 150 well now 151 years we certainly had certainly had really grand plans for uh, 2020 with uh, with uh, different campaigns we had um, ready to go but uh, we had to we push pause on all those things and but uh, but you're right that uh, that heritage um, and history has, has been a really big part of who Borsheim's is and will continue to be
1: and talking about the future Andy what, what do you see as the, the future of omnichannel? Once we go back to normal, I mean whatever normal means since we're still in uncertain times
3: well I first say i I, I'm, I feel like we're we are entering in that that normal now um, I, I I think you have you know a year of of, of 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 customers and learning how to how to do things on their phones or on their desktops or tablets um, and they I think they'll probably they'll find that it's this this internet business, this purchasing online is it's not as scary as maybe they used to Think it was um, so. You're teaching uh, new ways to th- do things. Um, so I, I think we're we're living in that that new now, and I think we're going to continue to see what we've we what we've been seeing over the course of the last you know 10, 11 months just continue and 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 grow. I think you know before the pandemic hit, you know e-commerce was was growing. I think at a rate of one percent per year as a total of retail sales since the year two thousand. And, um, you know, we, we accelerated, you know, a good 10 years in there. And I think we'll continue to, now we'll continue to see, a you know, a percentage or two every year growth in, in e-commerce as it relates to the, the big retail pie. But as far as the future of Omnichannel, I think it's I think Paul mentioned this earlier. It's it's that, that human touch. It's humanizing a customer experience that's, um, again, more digital focused. So, you know, a great customer experience is not you know, about being everywhere and, and being all things to everyone. It's, I think it's being there at the right time for the right customers in in really extraordinary ways. Um, and really viewing the customer as, is the channel, um, you know, Borsheims will be more focused on our customer experience strategy and we'll focus on more customer details, you know, having, and having these details we'll be able to execute, um, By eliminating friction points and implementing truly memorable experiences, at the end of the day, we're we're in the special moments business. Um, Our goal is to have the those critical aspects of the customer journey all work beautifully together.
1: Thank you so much. Well, what about you, Paul? Paul, for for whom I know you've said and you know. Twist is well known for innovation, innovation and being part of your DNA. What, what do you see as the next next stage in terms of omnichannel and um, and music technology to to connect and improve with the uh, with the customer's journey?
4: Um, we've we've found that you know the, the growth of technology is is consistent and Ever present, and it's I don't I don't see it as in happening in stages. It's more like just a constant track that direction that we're that we're doing our best to um, stay current with. Um, you know, we've got plans for more um, adding more dimensions to our website to keep it fresh and to make it multi, um, experiential. Um, you know, we try with, uh, um, the videos that we started doing a few years ago, bring, well, I should back up a little bit. I mean, our, what we're really selling in our store, besides the experience of shopping is the experience with the designer. You know, we don't, we don't separate the designer from the work. So when we're selling, we're selling the piece, but we're also selling the individual creative product of a person. And um, that's kind of become who we are. And we're really trying to stay focused on that. So um, rather than do it about the look or about the, um, even so much as the material, it's always designer forward. So bringing the, um designer into the experience of shopping, we wanna get that, take that to a new level next. But we also do, we're doing a lot with marketing and our marketing budget online is pretty big and it's we think it's really important. And um, we're always investigating new, there's so many ways you can spend so much money on marketing and it's really hard to evaluate it like all marketing, but we're really investigating new ways of um, like prioritizing the kind of, uh, the kind of work you see when you go to the site because we'll have the data on who you are and what you've seen before. So we'll present you with a custom experience. That's in the works right now.
1: That's great, watching this space.
4: It's tough, you know, it's almost like uh, artificial reality, but um, <laughs> I, I think there's something there. I'm just not sure exactly how it's going to work, but I think that's probably a direction that we're going to be going in.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And, Thanks. And, you and you mentioned that Paul too, you know, just like you make updates to your, your brick and mortar. I mean, you have to continue to look at different UX opportunities on your website or like to your to your point, layering in personalization um and, and making changes it's just something your website's something that's living and breathing and, and you yeah. gotta you make it makes it make those proper changes every year because you know the one thing that's constant is is uh, your customer is gonna their their habits are gonna change the way they shop is gonna change and new technology will be um you know will continue to be delivered and you know keeping up with those trends and those changes i think will be you know just a big part of that customer experience.
4: Mm. We have a, um, a consultant, um, like they're not on staff, but they're on retainer we, we, we pay them monthly for constant consulting. That's very tied into, um, international market, online marketing. And she's Uh great source and she'll keep us up on here's what's happening in the industry just so you know and then she'll say I'm actually working on a couple of ideas and we'll meet and talk about them and every now and then we'll go with one and um she'll do the research on who's going to be the provider and she'll negotiate the contracts but um that seems like it's really really if it was just left up to us it it just wouldn't happen fast enough
3: yeah yeah
1: so I'm going to leave the the last word to to L, um, <laughs> who has been a, that many knows in the industry for being a, a digital guru and an early early adop- uh, embracer of mm-hmm. uh, e-commerce. Mm-hmm. That it's. Um, it's very likely that e-commerce will not grow in 2021 the way it grew last year for, for obvious reasons. The last year, there was a forced boost, um, a forced push towards e-commerce. But um, mm-hmm. the digital the digital buying habits like, are here to stay. So what is what is the next stage, do you think? What do you see with, with your um, macro view of, of our industry yeah
2: if we get in the helicopter and really go up up and take a look at the landscape i think what everybody's learning is that there there is no separation of the way you behave in store and not effectively translating that in the digital world, because the shopping experience and the buyer's journey goes online, offline, offline, online, online, someplace else, offline, online. And we have to show up everywhere and we have to be listening to them everywhere. Paul made a very important point, and, and I, I know it, it's echoed at Borsheim's at as well, is customization And personalization, 47% of retailers say they're investing in personalization that and they are right. And that is the top way that they're going to be able to optimize conversion. Um, So I think. Getting in the helicopter and going up, we we have we're going to see a continued um, integration between the way we behave and use digital tools, and no more separation of church and state. This is what we do online. This is what we do on offline. That weakens both strategies, so they're actually integral. And marketing versus sales, the lines are blurring very much. So people are clicking on their Instagram quote unquote marketing in order to purchase their jewelry, and people are going in the store to be marketed to to go back to the website. So there's a lot of blurring of lines between marketing and sales. They are no longer and cannot be separate, independent departments or functions. They're intrinsically um, woven together, just like online and offline are now.
4: I completely agree.
1: I'll test it thank you so much um for so this really lively conversation and i love the way you we all interacted and and um and I think coming from from different point of view but looking towards the the same goal that is to to offer human um experience to to the customers because of the um, the purchase that they're making there's jewelry that's emotional there's something that they don't need but they want and uh, and they need to to felt to feel the trust into the the retailer and uh thank you and know, andy's story and um and paul's stories are, are really important and the approach to uh, to achieve this and thanks el for for being with us today and for for your insights as always
2: Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. It was wonderful to, to hear from the guys, too, about what's actually happening on the ground and in their stores. Thank you both for sharing everything.
1: Pleasure. Thank, thank you gift. so much, Andy, for, for joining us, and a happy belated uh, anniversary to volsheims to and we, we look <laughs> forward to, to seeing how you're going to celebrate when, when you're able to.
3: You bet. Thank you, Sonia, and it's a pleasure meeting you, meeting you both, Elle and, and Paul. Yeah, thank and you, And thank
1: you so much, Paul. That, that was great, and that was nice to to hear um to hear more about about twist online and what you've been doing in a in the past year and what, what you plan to do for for the future thank you so much paul
4: yeah it was a pleasure i really enjoyed it
1: so um on this note we'll conclude our panel conversation and i will now go to lea merovich who's um interviewing jedli from Chai Tai typhoon
0: Thanks, Sonia, and welcome, Jade. Great to have you here. Hi. So what do you think customers are looking for to enhance their shopping experience, and how does technology help Chow Fook provide them with it?
5: Okay, I think in the past, the traditional jewelry industry mainly focused on product itself rather than the customer experience. However, the retail landscape continues to evolve, and customers' preferences have changed rapidly. The customer future success hinges on the ability to serve multi-market segment, and divergent customer needs in both product and service. CTF stands out among other competitors by considering creating our value to our customers. Our innovation strategy never failed to win over customers because our products and service designed to achieve customer satisfaction and extra, extraordinary experience. So last few uh, last uh, decade we developed many new uh, solutions to, to go to the market. One of the uh, products we, we sell is called Team Up brand because T means for traceable. So we uh, we use uh, traceable diamond to uh, help our customers to track the uh, origin, uh, our manufacturing process, even uh, to our customers. So uh, we call it 40s and we have our patent nano inscription technology to put a mark on those diamond. And also we use Blockchain technology to store all those records, and not just that, we also work with uh, uh, GIA. Uh, uh, two years ago, we tried to uh, put the certifications of the diamond uh, in the blockchain and disclose those grading report to our customers in our our app. And um, we recently we also invent our own in-house diamond grading process and for so small scale uh, diamond we will grade by ourselves and also disclose those information to our customers through the APP those are technology we we have already put in place and and selling to uh, helping our customers to uh, picking the right diamond for them
0: I see so I know traceability is very important to customers do you find that you're getting a lot of positive response to that
5: yes I think uh, we we uh, uh, I think uh, especially i think last uh, few years the synthetic diamonds uh become a a, a big uh hurdles so or for our customers to pick the right one so uh a traceable diamond or um, we is 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 it, uh, important for uh, for us to help to distinguish our products with other competitors not just that we also um uh, work with some insurance company, we offer a uh, jewelry insurance together with our blockchain. So those are the things that we try to protect our customers and also uh, uh, give them the best product in the market.
0: Very nice. And I know that you have um, radio frequency identification tracking technology, which enables you to understand better what your customer wants. How does this technology on the back end side help you understand your customer better so that you can offer them the types of products that they want?
5: I think uh, uh, for jewelry uh, retails, we are the most low-frequency, uh, uh, high-ticket uh, retail style, so we have uh, very little of uh, uh, transaction compared to other retailers. But RFID helps us to uh, can lock, uh, can store the frequency, the behavior in offline shops. So we we have a, a, a smart tray. The smart tray is like a, a serving uh, plate. When we serve our customers, we actually is a sensor. We we measure what products being displayed to our customers, how long they look at it. But we didn't lock our customer information. But this kind of behavior, exactly uh, like a website, we know what products in the shop are active, what products in the shops are uh, uh, inactive, as and how long the products are stored in the shop. So, and we leverage those RFID, we call it IoT data. We have our own AI engine to. Optimize our infantry across the shops. Think about—I uh, don't know if you've been Hong Kong. Our uh, uh, in Hong Kong, our shops are very close to each other's, around maybe 200 meters or maybe even 300 meters. We have uh, another shops. Uh, to us, each shops the the uh, the overlapping products are very too. But at the same time, we want to maximize the the infantry mix across each shops. So these RFID data help us to to build our engine to 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 optimize the the infantry in each shops. Not just that, and also help us our whole supply chain. We also have our uh, uh, automation uh, 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 assortment or infantry system. So when we when we do we uh, when we do uh, when we have productions on our products, we use those RFID technology to uh, allocate our our warehouse and also distribute to the shops think about we have about 4000 shops in our in our in the region and we have we sell about uh, 20 million pieces of jewelry so those are a big logistic problem we use rfid to solve it so that we have a less inventory on hands but we can also maximize our ourselves.
0: That's very interesting. So, you mentioned that the shops are only two or three hundred meters apart sometimes. Do you find that even in stores that are that close together, that often customers will look at very different things and that the RFID helps you to um, hone in on that and to offer the customers, just particularly for that shop, what they're looking for?
5: Yeah, I think uh, those uh, we. Sometimes we want to make it, uh, uh, some products we want to make it similar. Some, some products we want to make it to be uh, varied across very cold shops. Different products we have, we use different strategy, but we use those data to to experiment or test our, our thoughts. So it's all data-driven uh, inventory of, uh, decision.
0: I see. And you launched Cloud Sales 365, which is a WeChat based mini program that lets customers shop 24 seven while getting advice from and assistance from staff. Moving forward, as customers are increasingly shopping online, especially now with the pandemic and they want to purchase what they want when they want it, how important is this type of technology to increasing your customer base and your sales?
5: Uh, it's very important. Uh, we launched it in last April in China. We already connected uh, more than two million customers, and uh, using that uh, mini app and also the uh, We call it WeChat work. Uh, I think right now it's called WeChat Cup. We come I think in the in, in in the global. So we use We WeChat work uh, come to connect our customers, uh, and also our staff um, uh, use that tools to talk to our customers and refer our products to them or. When there's any c- inquiry or, or traffic from our customers, they can simply use WeChat to talk to our sales team. Um, we call it a private traffic, private domain, to cultivate our customers within our own network. Uh, uh, I think Tencent always uses us as a uh, 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 referral case to the, the local retail market. Uh, and, we, uh, and also the... The conversion ratio compared to uh, our online e commerce is much higher because actually they can ask our sales team what kind of products uh, they need or they're, they're, uh, what they want. And also, we can feedback the right products and we choose the products for them and then just use the, the WeChat or use the website to, to close the deal. So, all the other all is a better surface, better conversion ratio, and it, it is a very important for us in the future.
0: I see. And do you find that you think more customers are buying this way because they're able to get access to what they want and answers at times when they wouldn't ordinarily be able to come into the shop?
5: I think it's a it's a channel of communication. It's um, before they come to the shop, they can uh, not all the time they uh, they, if they have any any inquiry. At lights our shop is closing. They can ask ourselves team. So is uh, uh, in uh, we when they come to our shops. Once they they buy something, we we connect with them using this channel and after sales surface or. Any other we, uh, inquiry, they can use that channel to ask for us. So it's a combined uh, 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 journey to our customers, not just in, in uh, uh, selling our in store products and also online products. So it's a, it's a channel for us to, to link with our customers and provide additional uh, and uh, instant service.
0: I see. And it's interesting, actually, because right now with COVID-19, something like that would seem very helpful to connect with your customers. How does your technology help you maintain your connection with customers during this time? Uh, Do innovations such as your self-service cloud casks help you to provide your customers not only with a wider selection, but also enable them them to get an in-store experience in a more secure, comfortable and personalized manner?
5: yeah I think uh one of the key uh, uh, reason I think uh, the government is pro- uh, promoting uh, social distancing, even they have a hesitation to meet up with people, and um I think uh, uh, we we launched a cow Kiosk. Inside the shop, we we are not like um, McDonald's uh, ordering kiosk. is a is actually a, a, a big uh, panels for us for our customers to shop, uh, pick their products, and also we um, we work with some IP uh, uh, partners. We have more content inside the the, the panel, and also uh, we are working uh, with some AI company. We work, we will have an AI agent inside the kiosks to, to help our customers so they can shop inside our shop without contacting anyone. So um, we already installed uh, 1,000 in shops in, in China and we're expecting to to increase up to 1,400 by this year. So these cow kiosks can not just sell the in-store shop products and also they can sell our online products and, and enrich our offline product mix. So um, it's like a, a, a offline orders, online delivery and also these are the uh, uh channel for one of the channel that we are we already deployed in, in 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 the region very a lot and also another channel we work very closely is live streaming i think it's very hot in china we, we use live streaming uh um, to get a more, and also we have live streaming by ourselves and um, we use live streaming to a niche. Uh, uh our inventory and like uh, we we source rough diamond we source a uh, uh, rough jade and we use that channel to this, uh, to share with our customers the the raw materials and they the, our customers can, can pick from our our factory directly and then we produce the jewelry afterward it's a quite a uh, different experience for for us to, to to sell to the market but the result is very good uh, we have very, uh, not just the, the sales, we the comment from our customers and they like it. And so we have uh, uh, lots of live streaming running right now and our, uh, our customer can, can paste all the, on the file you know, through for through our mini app or any uh, web channel.
0: And when you're doing the live streaming, are you uh, teaming up with anybody? Are you working with influencers or anybody else? Or is it just Chao Tai Phuc live streaming? Both.
5: Both. Both. We have our own live streaming. We also work with a KOL in, uh, to do live streaming.
0: I see. And what is the next stage for you for Chow, Chow Folk to continue offering consumers more customized and personalized products? And how will your technology help you accomplish that?
5: Okay. I think uh, we are committed to uplifting our customer experience by harnessing. Innovation and technology across our core corporations. Uh, we are steadily moving towards for our four long term goals. Uh, namely to strengthen our market leader position as we seek further market penetration. And uh, second one, to develop our comprehensive jewelry ecosystem. The third one, we we to we want to be a tech survey survey jewelry company by looking more, learning more technology uh, like Sarin or any other uh, big big company. And also, um, uh, fourth, we want to improve our e- operation efficiency for digital transformation. Um, uh, I, I, I will name one of our solutions we already launched in the market. We call it D1, uh, means designer one. We We allow our customers to... Tailor make uh, and choose a diamond and settings, and and uh, we call it uh, a fast tailor make. So we research in the market other competitors uh, for those tailor make diamond jewelry. They need at least seven days, but for us, we use our technology. We use our uh, CNC and uh, 3D printing. We just we can provide a tailor make uh, jewelry products within twenty four hours. So we we use those uh, 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 high tech manufacturing process so that we can uh, provide. A unique experience to our customers. Uh, not just that, we also, uh, um, uh, in our own organization, we set up a new structure. We call it SIC, Sustainability and Innovation Center, in April 2018. So we it compo- comprise of three areas, culture and art, craftsmanship and creativity. So that's uh, that the designated management team uh, responsible for the investment in innovation. So we have the, our own Separate team to, to build up all those new technology and put in place into our own uh, corporation in everywhere.
0: I see you were mentioning tailor made. Um, do you think being able to customize jewelry to what the what your customers want is something that is very important right now? And and that technology is something that will help you push that along.
5: Yes, I think it's very important, and the uh, result also very good. You know, we launched it. Uh, I think uh, six months ago, and uh, 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 but I think uh, every customers want it fast, want it on time, want it uh, 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 when they. Do uh uh and uh in the past uh, for any tailor make we need we need a very long process, so um and also uh one good thing is our our inventory can be also very optimized, no need to distribute those diamonds into all shops. Uh, I think from customer side, from uh, from uh, from CDF side is a uh, very important for for us.
0: Very nice. That's all very interesting, Jade. I thank you so much for uh, enlightening us. It was very enjoyable.
5: Thank you. Hope to have you guys. Thanks for your invitation as well.
0: Thank you so much, Jaden and, and Leah.
1: That was so interesting. A lot, a lot of uh, cool innovations happening in uh, in Hong Kong and China from from Cha Tai Fook. Um, I think this podcast has given you a broad view of what's happening in retail with uh, people from balshimes from twist online from Chai Tai fook and how they've been using technology from some to create some some cool services and products for for their customers so lots of lot, lots and food for thought in a in our podcast thank you so much for joining us today and watch out for the next installment of our series on technology and bye for now